Welcome. I'm Mandy, a former history teacher. And I'm Evita, a former mechanical engineer. We're both married with four kids, two two boys, boys, two two girls. girls. We're two young professionals turned stay-at-home moms, navigating all facets of homemaking one step at a time to help you become the mother and wife you are called to be. Welcome, ladies, to another episode. We're on episode 14, baby step 14, I should say, today. And we are going to cover parenting, which is something we haven't covered too much of actually yet. I know. It's almost like I've kind of avoided that topic because yeah. it's so, it's kind of sensitive. It's it it's is. personal. It's a sensitive topic. You don't yeah. want to step on anyone's feet, but you also know that there's, there's so many ideas out there. Yes. There's right and wrong. So we're going to try to cover some things. So the general kind of topic we're covering today is how do you parent in an anti-parent culture, which is an interesting topic because we kind of have to acknowledge that there is peer pressure parenting. Sounds like a thing of the past in our high school, right? Like peer <laughs> pressure, but it very much is still out there mm-hmm. and it really takes persistence to go against a majority rule mentality that like, okay, if the majority is doing it, then I'm weird for yes. not doing it. <laughs> or you're, or sometimes you assume that parents know what they're doing. And so mm-hmm. you kind of want to go along because right. you're like, well, if everyone's doing it, there must be something. Yeah. Or their kids point. are older, so they yeah. should know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it can be a very tricky world to navigate. And a lot of like to sum up our culture right now there's a lot of permissive parenting and so a lot of what we might do might be looked upon as too strict or too protective or gosh you won't get your kid a cell phone everyone else is getting their kids cell phones Mm -hmm. and it can just be this very much like consensus parenting right that if it's common it's normal if it's normal it's all right Mm this can often lead us to second guess ourselves as parents, especially if we are choosing to do things that are different than what the culture is choosing to do. We can kind of have this self doubt that's always eating away at us every time we're trying to enforce a rule. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm wrong about this. I don't mm-hmm. want my kid to be a social outcast. Like, you know, all these thoughts can go into our head. The problem with that is kids kind of can prey on that self-doubt, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they can maybe see us wavering a little bit and right, because really all a kid wants is they want what they want when they want it. That's just the nature, our human nature is they want to find a way to get what they want. I mean, you can even see this in like a two-year-old, like right. my little two-year-old. Yeah. She will do whatever she needs to yes. do to get what she wants. They'll test the boundaries. They'll see how yeah. far they can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we know that that's kind of their mentality. Mm-hmm. And when they grow up to be teenagers, that that's still there. And they might say things to you like, how can all those parents be wrong and you be right? Right. And so you might get that pushback from your kid, right? The older they get, the more verbal they are. And the more verbal they are, you might have to start hearing these things that can, again, get that self-doubt kind of eating away at you. And kids think that we should be guided by numbers, right? Like, okay, well, you know. of my class has this. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be part of that 90%. And this is where I love Fulton Sheen. Awesome. Blessed Fulton Sheen, I should say. He says, right is right, even if no one is right. And wrong is wrong, even if everyone is wrong. And that's not something kids quite understand. Yeah. (laughs) That concept that yes, 90% of your class may be doing it still doesn't make it right. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's really our job not to be guided by numbers. Right. It's our job to figure out what's right and then stick to it. And also like when they're doing that, they're comparing themselves to their peers. Mm-hmm. When in reality, we shouldn't be comparing ourselves with our peers. We should be trying to measure up to the heights, right? Like right. trying to live up to what Jesus's teachings are. And there's a saying in Spanish, I think my grandfather used to tell my mom, like, don't compare yourself with the mediocre or the worst. You got to compare yourself with the best. So if yeah, you are totally changes your perspective. Yeah, yeah. Because if you are comparing yourself to the person right next to you, well, then yeah, you guys are going to be the same and you'll achieve what they achieve, which mm-hmm. not even like by societal standards, but you know, I mean like yeah. spiritually, like right. are you'll be and how they are. Think of how much that changes, mm-hmm. right? If you're comparing yourself to something that's forever changing. Yeah then you're going to forever be relative about what's right. Instead mm-hmm. of we got to find the permanent principle, right? Right. This is always right. Right. No matter what. Yeah. And it's almost not even a comparison anymore, actually. It's just like a striving for mm-hmm. truth and morality. Right. It's not, it's not a comparison what's game. Permanent? Yes. What's permanent? What's permanent? Achieve that. Mm-hmm. Go for that. So we need to be guided by principles, not fads, Mm -hmm. in other words. And I think there's so much pressure to be guided by fads. Mm -hmm. A lot of this is not like necessarily moral, right? A lot of the decisions you make for your kid are, should I buy them a cell phone at this age? What age should I let them do A, B, or C? Mm -hmm. And that's where I think it's really hard for us because, you know, moral questions are kind of easier in a sense that the right or wrong of it is very apparent. Mm -hmm. But what's right for your kid and at what age is something very more personal. Mm -hmm. And so how do you go about that? Well, remembering your vote is the only vote that counts for your kid because you are the only one that knows them Mm -hmm. to a level, right? So some parent might say, my kid's mature enough at age 17 to drive. And someone might say, oh, I'm not letting my kid drive until 20. Mm -hmm. And that, again, it's only your vote that counts Mm -hmm. um, because of that innate knowledge you have of your child. And remember, you shouldn't be judging it off what your child is saying to you, right? Children are ready to assure you that they can handle what their peers cannot. Like they're (laughs) always ready to say like, I am so mature. I mean, I remember telling my mom this in high school, like I was so mad she wouldn't let me date early on in Mm -hmm. high school because everyone was dating. Yeah. And I remember being like, I am so mature. Like I could get married right now if I wanted to. Yeah. I'm really mature. And now I look back and I'm like, I was a dweeb. Oh my gosh. Me too. Even up until like five years ago, I was a dweeb. Don't, don't trust what your kid is saying. Trust what you're seeing Mm -hmm. and then, you know, make your decision and your rope isn't measured against others. It's your rope. So Mm -hmm. this is where you're not comparing. You're the judge of how much rope you want to release to your kid or you want to withdraw from your kid. Yeah. And it takes a willingness to be misunderstood. So this is where we're going to get into the virtue of courage later is that you are going to not be popular. Your kid is not going to like you for this. Mm -hmm. They're not going to understand it. You might not be liked by other parents for this. They might think you're weird and like, gosh, why wouldn't you do that? Mm -hmm. But you have to walk confidently in your family's beliefs and morals and be unpopular. And so instead of asking, is it normal? You should ask, is it good? Is it right? 
Right. And I think sometimes we avoid these things as parents because it can lead to discomfort. It's like Mm -hmm. these feelings become uncomfortable when you tell your child, no, you can't do this or yes, so-and-so did it, but you can. It's And sometimes maybe you don't feel equipped to answer that, but Mm -hmm. all that takes courage because it is – it takes courage to handle uncomfortable situations yeah. and you can't be afraid to get to those uncomfortable situations right. because that's where the learning happens. That's right. where that's where you have these teaching moments or if you don't, you just go along to get along. And yeah, and there will be pushback. Like I think in parenting, you are always going to get pushback from your kid, mm-hmm. from other parents. Mm-hmm. And so it's like there's always going to be someone trying to get you not to be firm. Yeah. Right. And challenging your courage. Right. Just let go a little bit. It's not a big deal. You know, kind of just these little Mm -hmm. slips of acquiescence in your, and you know, next thing you know, you're like somewhere else. Yeah. And before I forget, I'm sorry, I forgot to give credit where we're getting this from. This is a lot of (laughs) what we're talking about is coming from a book um, written by Dr. Ray Garendi, who's a Catholic psychologist, and it's called Raising an Upright Kid in an Upside Down World. Mm-hmm. So one of his first couple of chapters kind of covers this like parent peer pressure. So I just want to say that quick. Sorry, should have yes. mentioned it earlier. These yeah. are not original thoughts. Sorry, yes. Well, some of them are, some but them. yes, yes. <laughs> There's they stem from this great book. Yes. Yeah. And one of the next parts he gets into in this book is one of the biggest things that shakes a parent he says is this push too hard myth and you'll get rebellion mm. and that that can really get a parent to maybe rethink yeah. where those morals or those principles they yes. had are now yeah. because there's this idea in our modern culture that oof, if you are too strict, your kid's going to run the other way from you as soon as they have freedom and never see you again. Yep. They're going to go wild as soon yes. as they get to college. If, if and... you don't allow them to experience everything, right? then they'll experience it on their own terms and then you're in trouble. And it's so funny. I feel like even as a mother of toddlers or my eldest is five, I do feel like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I feel like, gosh, I... I better give him some leeway or yes. else he's going to like and it's turn okay. into a rebel right. and, you know. And notice how that thinking starts yep. like that. And yeah. then you start questioning your principle. Like yeah. I've noticed in myself even, maybe I'm being too strict in what I will allow my daughters to wear. Maybe it's okay to wear short shorts like this length. Maybe mm-hmm. I was being too Amish, mm-hmm. you know, and like, it's like, it almost, it's like an unwinding. Like if you let the yarn go a little, like all yeah, of a sudden it gets loose like, it gets and loose. tangly. Yeah. And it yeah. just, it's like, it leads to further and further concessions you're making mm-hmm. because you're making them out of fear. Yeah. Right. It begins with that fear and then you just unquestion. And so he actually... Um, in his book kind of pushes against this myth, kind of trying to show that this is actually a myth. There's not really a lot behind this Of idea. science or anything to yeah, it. Yeah, okay. he said most preachers' kids end up modeling their parents' standards, and there's only a small minority that don't. Wow. So you know how we see those movies like, oh, the preacher's daughter. Yeah. She went crazy, nuts, really yeah, wild, crazy yeah. girl. <laughs> He's like, that was, that's actually not the reality Wow. that most preachers' kids do that. I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm shocked and totally like delighted. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yes, 
yes they're gonna, gonna be go okay and, yeah you no know, that's so true too Think yeah about all the early 2000 chick flicks mm-hmm. like the president's daughter mm-hmm. like he's very strict with mm-hmm. the security mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then she goes crazy and like yeah. does this weird thing yes like yeah like a lot of them are filled with that kind of storyline that yeah you push too hard yeah they're really gonna go the other way and it's funny how that that fear is so engraved like i said that i even having little kids who have to make little decisions about little problems right it is something i think about all the time i'm like i don't want them to rebel against me or Mm -hmm. dislike the faith because i was like we have to go to sun we have to go to mass every sunday and during the week too like i don't want it to seem like a chore to them i want them to I love me, but love Jesus. Yes. I don't want religion to look so strict and rigorous. Right. And but in reality, like today, for example, we went to we went to mass for Saturday. My little guy, he's like, "Mom, I don't want to go to mass," and I'm like, "No, no, you know." And in my yeah. ideal world, I want them to be like, "I love Jesus. I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait to get there. Yes, can't wait for the consecration <laughs> so I can kneel and pray." And you know, but do we even have that? Yeah. <laughs> no. Exactly. <laughs> So anyhow, that conversation yeah. came up, like he was like really not wanting to go. And I'm like, okay, well, sometimes we have to do things that we don't seem to, that don't seem to be exciting or, mm-hmm. you know, and I said, right now you're young, so you don't understand what's going on in the mass. Yeah. But it is something that is really good for our souls. I'm like, yeah. just and like, you know that, and I him. know that, and I know that for him and I know it's good for him and I'm looking out for him and all the graces he can get but to try to make it tangible for him i said something along the lines of and this must have been like inspired by the holy (laughs) spirit but i was like well you know you don't really sometimes like eating your vegetables but those are good for you they make you faster they make you stronger i mean so sometimes we have to do things that we don't like Mm -hmm. but that are actually really good for us Mm -hmm. and then that was it yeah. He did not refuse at all. He's like, okay, He's like, let's I'm get dressed. Just try to take this in. He's like, mom, <laughs> you're wise. <laughs> no, but no, honestly, like that yeah. was it. He was fine. And, and yeah. when we went, but yeah, no, I mean, it's just encountering those uncomfortable situations because in the past I might've been like, well, he has gone to mass every day this week because yeah. of school. Maybe we give him a little break. Yeah. He's five. You have those fears. You have those fears. You want him to like love like you it. and trust you and like it. Yeah. And anyhow, so no, you, I kind of stuck to my guns yeah. and it turned and out again, fine. I feel like it's easier to stick to your guns yeah. when you face the reality that you want what's best for your kid. Mm-hmm. And you know mm-hmm. this is good for your mm-hmm. kid. Mm-hmm. And there's no budging on it. Right. Like, I want what's best for you. I know this is what's best for you. Right. And no matter what the noise around me, I'm going to give you it. Right. Like, I, you will get this. <laughs> exactly. And and I mean, this. so how much we care about them and what we want, mm-hmm. you know, for their goodness, physical and spiritual. I'm reading this book called Parenting for Eternity by Connor Gallagher. And he talks about this this paternal affection for like the preservation of their body. So he gives this kind of like gloomy example of like, you know, if your kid were really sick, like cancer, Mm -hmm. you would do anything. You would move mountains to raise money or get the treatments he needed. So along those lines, he says, quote, how much of this paternal affection do you direct towards your little one's soul? 
all your efforts to save the little heart that pumps blood, but so little effort to save the soul that lives forever. Mm-hmm. How often have you darted across the room to save your toddler from ingesting a dangerous chemical, but shrugged your shoulders at the impurity on a streaming video or the wrath on video games? So, I mean, it just makes you think, like, why are we doing all this? Right. Why are we going against the yeah. grain, per se? Why are mm-hmm. we willing to encounter these uncomfortable situations and not go along with the peer pressure. Yeah. Going back to your why. Right. And having wide open eyes about it. Right. I think is critical to not waver. Right. So if you're like, no, I didn't allow this show because Mm -hmm. I thought it would harm my kid Mm -hmm. A, B or C. Right. Then I've got to do something if this gets turned on. Right. Like, you know, and again, coming back to that and, and going back to that principle is I think what allows you to be firm and mm-hmm. also trying to remember that the things coming in are not reality. Like you, you have to be a good judge between what you know to be true and what people are trying to convince you to be true. Right. With mm-hmm. These kind of myths. Mm-hmm. And one thing Ray Garendi says with that, with, you know, people saying, gosh, you're too strict. Your, your standards are too high. He's like, well, that's a comparison. And anything's going to look mm-hmm. too strict if you compare it to a slipping standard, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I allow my kid to do blah, 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 blah. Well, of course you're going to look strict if you don't allow your kid to do any of that because yeah. you're comparing it to a very laxed approach. Mm-hmm. And so keeping that in mind and also in mind that you're not an autocratic parent for having standards. An autocratic parent is someone that just says my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. And all it gets across is do this because I said so. Mm -hmm. But when you're parenting out of love, like I want my kid to get to heaven. Mm -hmm. I want my kid to be a good person. Mm -hmm. I want people to enjoy being around my kid. And those are all good things you want for your child. And so in order to do that, you have rules. And yes, sometimes it's hard to enforce them and Mm -hmm. your kid's not going to like it. That it's all done out of love. Like a kid's not going to look at that and be like, my parents are cold, strict, ugly parent that's (laughs) autocratic they might say that yeah but you have to let noise be noise and you have to differentiate no i am doing this out of love and i know i'm doing this out of love Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so i don't care what all these parents say that i'm too strict or i'm too this or i'm too that because i know i'm coming from this place yeah that my objective is to help them get to heaven and i'm going to do what it takes to do that Mm -hmm. yeah so i was listening to this podcast and they talk about um the word paradise and i mentioned this to you earlier mandy but paradise like the latin root means garden right and to if we kind of let our desires our flesh like our corporal desires kind of take over and just go along and get along and kind of go with the flow with every with everyone mm-hmm. figuratively we would be overgrown and wild right? right and so paradise being a garden what is a garden it's like to keep a garden you need to shelter it so you need to protect it you need to prune it and you need to nourish it. So the protection is like and pruning hurts. Pruning hurts. And that and that's what I was gonna get at. It's like the the disciplinary aspect of it. It's like it needs, it absolutely needs to be there to cultivate this paradise. Mm-hmm. It's like we need to prune. It might not be 
fun yeah and it might be a little bit painful for them and for and you for yeah yeah but also like with the pruning comes like nourishment you're not yeah. just an autocratic parent how right. you were you're saying you're not cutting something yes. off to hurt it you're cutting something off to give it yes life. and also you cut it off to give it life for it to flourish in the way you want it to flourish but you mm -hmm. also have to nourish that right you have to yeah. water that and one day that shelter will go away you don't always need shelter yeah. over it Right. So I, I like that analogy too, because, you know, sometimes we're like, well, you can't shelter your kid forever. Yeah, and it's no. like, no, I know. But when they're a little seed, they yes, need yes. a lot more protection. I can shelter them to the point where they're a very strong, they yes. have strong roots. Yes, they will see bad yes. things, but I get to decide when. Exactly. Exactly. When, when they're old enough to handle it. But no, that's a great analogy because I think that's, it really kind of encompasses like your purpose as a parent mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is to get that that plant to grow and yes it requires all of these things mm -hmm. from you and so when you're making decisions is that going to help them grow or is it going to put them in danger mm -hmm. right so if, if you give them too big of a rope is that going to remove the shelter at a critical point in their life right are they going to grow wild and reckless yes yes are they covered in weeds and noise right yes and so yeah i really love that um analogy and you know, I feel like a lot of kids too, myself included, push back really hard mm -hmm. when the pruning happens. Oh, yeah. But once they see what they've become, they like thank their parents for it. Like, I can't tell you how many families I've heard where they've had a really difficult child that push, 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 push. And then later in life, when they have 2020 hindsight, say like, thank you. Like, yeah. Thank you, mom. For yeah you know, never letting me do this or sending mm -hmm. me to this school, even though I thought it was not a good school for me mm -hmm. to go to. And mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I hear in Catholic world, parents making decisions by their kids' wishes. Yeah. And I'm like, we're Catholic. We believe in original sin. Yeah. We believe in a fallen human nature. Mm -hmm. And as much as we love our kids, mm -hmm. they do not have the knowledge. Yeah to make decisions that are good for themselves they're still in an immature i think they said what your brain doesn't fully mature until the age of 25 or something yeah like biologically i think women a little earlier yeah. wink wink <laughs> yeah way earlier. yeah Just way like earlier <laughs> yeah but no like, yeah it's later than you think yeah for it's, sure it's, you're not even in, like that's what how many years past being technically considered a legal adult and you're still your brain's not fully matured yeah so you really can't put their lives into their mm -hmm. hands and be like, oh, whatever you feel is best for you. Right. Well, original sin's going to want you to reach for things that aren't good for you. Yeah. They're driven by impulse still, mm -hmm. you know, and reaction and yeah. things that need to be pruned. Yes. You and know, even kids that appear incredibly mature, mm -hmm. they don't have the life experience that you have or the vision that you have or the amount of spiritual work you've done on yourself that mm -hmm. you have mm -hmm. right to really determine what's best for them and i mean look at how yeah. many times even adults we don't even know what's best for ourselves sometimes yeah we have to leave it to god but that takes time and maturity and virtue and humility mm -hmm. and our kids are still growing in that yeah they don't know that they yeah. don't know that yet. They don't even know how to practice that. And that's our job to teach them how to do these things so that when they're adults, they can make these wise yeah. discernments. And you'll have that 20-20 hindsight. Mm -hmm. And you'll find that instead of this rebellion myth, 
Yeah. You might be getting a beautiful thank you note. Yeah. I like, yeah. thank you, mom. <laughs> I just love that you said, while this book said it was a myth, it, it almost yeah. gives you permission to be like, <gasps> be quiet. <laughs> <sighs> I can discipline how yes. I feel like I should. And, yes. and it needs to be like, you know, it needs to be in a loving way, right? So mm. people think discipline, oh, that means punishment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it doesn't like actually mean like punishment, right? It's like the the root word is dis disciplina or in Spanish disciplina, I guess it would be, but it's like to teach or to correct or to instruct. Oh, so like disciple. Yeah, like disciple. Yeah. So it's not it's it has such a negative connotation. Even even that word discipline, which isn't doesn't, you know, isn't punishment, people yeah. associate the two and they're like Oh, you know, I don't want, I don't you want don't that. Like to discipline. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, use different words, you yeah. know. But in reality, you know, no. the true word is to instruct and to teach. And so, mm -hmm. knowing our children, knowing their weaknesses, because they're all different, right? Mm -hmm. They all have various personalities, different weaknesses, different strengths. Yeah. And being able to target those things and know how to teach them. But yes. this, this all takes reflection mm -hmm. on your part as the parent. You yes. know, you can't, it's not as much as we want it to be a one size fits all. Like and I just give you like a hundred rules of parenting. Yeah. Do the following things for every right. kid you ever had. Like right. a handbook. I've always wished my kids came with manuals. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm amazed that after you have a baby, they just say, okay, go home. I'm like, like, what? Uh, <laughs> what? Or like, you okay, trust me? I don't now. trust me. Um, yeah. How am I supposed to do this? Yeah. Exactly. So, so every child has different struggles and I think it's right. good to reflect on each of your children and how you can work with them mm -hmm. to teach them, to discipline them right. in a way that will cultivate these virtues that we are, we want them to have. Yeah. yeah. And in that process of discipline. Yeah. As long as children think they know better than their parents, let's like everyone raise your hand who was a teenager and thought you knew better than your parents. Oh my gosh. Every teenager in the world thinks they know. Two hands ever. up. I know. So as long as kids think that, there will always be disagreements. Mm -hmm. Like no matter what you do as a parent, you are going to get pushback from your kid. Yeah. Even if you do it in the sweetest way possible and from a very loving, it does not matter. They are going to disagree with you. And yeah. you have to remember that disagreement does not equal discontent. Right. Because that's actually a sign of good parenting mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you are saying oh, your impulse wants you to do this. And I know that's bad for you. So I'm going to steer you away from it. So nice. you should expect pushback. Of course, no one wants right. to be steered away from what they want. Right. And developmentally too, even like in teenagers and these parenting books that I've read, that's their job. They are yeah. doing their job by testing your boundaries, seeing how far they can go. So it's not mm -hmm. like your child is the only one that's difficult and struggling. Yes. It's like, no, they're actually developmentally doing what their brain is telling them to do. Right. So if you expect these types of situations, you'll know it's it's just more ammo to kind of like yeah. keep your ground, I stand your ground. I must be doing something good if yes. I'm getting this much pushback. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they really want this. I know. And it's not good for them. And I'm getting a lot of pushback. So even more yes. so, no way are you getting this. Yes. But instructing them with love yeah. and, and firmness, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So the next portion that this book kind of gets into is this sheltering aspect that we touched on a little bit with the garden when we talked about you know, this, you can't protect your kids forever argument that mm -hmm. this is another 
kind of myth not i guess i shouldn't call it a myth because it is true you can't protect your kids forever but the myth is that it's miss shaping your parenting like that that that's what your goal is Mm -hmm. well that isn't what our goal is our goal is not to protect our kids forever but saving things for a time when our kids are going to know how to deal with it but the question is always but when Mm -hmm. right when should we expose them to things or allow them like not expose i should allow them Mm -hmm. to be exposed to things Mm -hmm. and i think this is where you can get a reputation for being overprotective right like oh i don't let my kids do sleepovers because i don't know what movies or what parents are there or Mm -hmm. who's allowed in that home or whatever or you might have a rule like i don't allow cell phones till you're 18 or cell phones till you're 16 Whatever it is, you can really get that like, oh, well, you're just overprotective. Mm-hmm. Like your kids need to be around other kids so that they can see what's wrong with the world. Or even like sometimes I have parents tell me like, oh, I let my kid go to this really bad school because I feel like they'll be like a breath of fresh air and they'll like convert these kids. And oh I'm like, goodness. oh, don't like, test your kid like that. Like what if I it's know. not what you're thinking? What if it's the opposite and they're you know i know they're like a droplet in a sea they're gonna get devoured yes you can't send someone in unprepared and i love this example because if um if you're catholic you know saints lives and oftentimes we kind of fast forward through saints lives really Mm -hmm. quickly and we forget how long periods of time there are that they Mm -hmm. do things so saint patrick for example common misconception about saint patrick is that he was kidnapped right he was taken to ireland as a slave and then he was freed and he came back and converted all of Ireland. Yep. Do you know how many years was between when he left Ireland and was freed to when he came back? Mm-mm. 15. Mm-hmm. Because he studied that whole time. Mm-hmm. He was like, I got to learn my faith. I got to go to this. I, he became ordained. He did all of these things in those 15 yes. years. He was armored. He was arming himself. Yep. And it's like, that's in a, in a sense you're doing with your kid. You're. It's not that you're never going to let them go to Ireland like St. Patrick, right? But that it's, I'm not sending him there until I know he has what he needs to remain strong. Right. Those deep roots and knowing what is good, true, and beautiful and acting on those things. Yeah, so this isn't taking your kid and raising them and then Mm -hmm. sending them to a convent never to see the world. Yeah. That is not what it is. And so- it's almost as if like we should look like we are feeding them, we're providing for them, where we're arming them before we let them make all these decisions and mm-hmm. go into the world. And um, really, you're just adding a few more years of childhood when you're doing this. You're mm-hmm. not and and subtracting a few years of early adulthood. You're not like I don't know sheltering them from things they're never going to witness in their lives, or like yeah. you're really just prolonging the childhood part. So that you can fit as much learning and teaching and armor as possible. Yeah. And you also want to like, you want to, you do want to shelter their innocence. They yeah. are only innocent for so long. Yes. You know, like they're going to fall to sin. Mm-hmm. We all do. But keeping them as pure as long as we can, I think is what makes them so convicted with their faith and strong like basically the pr- the preservation of their purity is what gives them the strength to become holy people in the yeah. real world yes yeah no totally and there can be this kind of danger of like again the comparison you might look 
completely overprotective compared to someone that doesn't protect their kid at all. Mm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like again, if you're comparing, of course you look overprotective if you're actually monitoring what music your kid listens to mm-hmm. and other parents wouldn't even know. Right. Right. So again, you have to, you know, have that in mind. And there's also a danger of being naive mm-hmm. and, and just assuming that everything's dandy with your kid's friends and what they're doing and that if you gave them access to the internet, they would never use it for ill. Right. Like there's or they would know it's bad. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They would stay clear from things or mm-hmm. there won't be any pop-ups because I bought this firewall. Like I, mm-hmm. I think there's just a danger of like not wanting to know what's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, see no evil, hear no evil, like doesn't think it exists. Yeah. And so you have to really be cognizant again, eyes wide open. What is out there? Yeah. And how am I preparing my kid to deal with it? Because one day they're going to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And so along those lines, Fulton Sheen says the devil's, he calls the, the devil's greatest trick. He says mm. he is the most powerful when he's denied. Mm. And so kind of refusing, and then I'll go on with another quote. He says, the refusal to take sides on, on great moral issues is itself a decision. It's a silent acquiescence to evil. The tragedy of our time is that those who still believe in honesty lack fire and conviction, while those who believe in dishonesty are full of passionate conviction. Mm. So it just kind of goes along the lines with what you were saying. Like, yeah. it's totally See easy to just, yeah. And have the passion to avoid it. <laughs> yes. And again, it takes courage to get into those uncomfortable situations because you do have to face that. Like yeah. in today's and not issues. not to be alone. Yes. Not, yeah. You don't want to stand fear. alone. That's you definitely why don't want to stand alone. That's not courageous. Yeah. I think that's the easiest thing to be a coward is not wanting to stand alone. Yeah. And you know, especially with parenting, there's always this fear of not wanting to be the loner. Yeah. In in the pool, even when there's parents that are around you that maybe you have a lot of the same beliefs, but yeah. maybe there's one thing you differ on and you feel like if you were to uphold that, mm-hmm. you're kind of no longer on the same page. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at that point, you really have to have this courageous seal to be like, no, I have to stand alone in this. I have to be willing to be weird about this mm-hmm. in someone else's mm-hmm. eyes and, and just to be firmly convicted in it. And I think of, um, so I took this class in college that was really great. It was a psychology class combined with a history class about the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, you know, psychologists love to study is how did these Nazi men do what they did? Yeah. And there was this myth that they were all monsters and they got like all these evil people to do all this stuff. In reality, they found these were your average dads. Like they were dads. They were fathers. They were like some guy off the street. This was not like some crazy murderer who they got to do these terrible, horrific things. Yeah. Yeah. And so they've done all these experiments about peer pressure. Mm, And one of the ones that- It's powerful. Yes. There's two that really stand out to me. And if you're a psychologist or whatever, I'm super sorry for botching these because I completely (laughs) forget the names of these experiments. But there's two, and I'm going to also botch summarizing them because I'm going to do it quickly. But the one was they only had one person that was actually involved in the experiment. The rest of the people were all controls. Of course, they don't know that. And they put three lines on a chalkboard Mm -hmm. or whiteboard, whatever. It's a board. One was clearly the shortest line. And 
they came in and they said, oh, thank you all for coming for this experiment. All we need you to do is point to the shortest line. And so the one guy that was there for the experiment goes, well, duh, it's right there. Yeah. Everyone else in the room pointed to the other line. Okay. We're told to do that. Yeah. And he's like, what the heck? That is not the shortest line. Mm Mm-hmm. It only took 35 minutes or something. I'm going to botch this. Sorry. It was a short amount of time to break him that he pointed to the line that all the other people were pointing to. He had so much self-doubt that, gosh, why is everyone pointing at this? I must be wrong. Yeah. That he eventually like acquiesced and was like, maybe I need glasses. Like, Mm -hmm. who knows what he was thinking? I don't, I don't know. (laughs) But like, he eventually pointed to the line that was not the shortest. Clearly visible. Yes. They somehow got into his brain in a short amount of time to convince him that he was wrong. Right. When he knew initially he was not. Yeah. Yeah. It's the second guessing, I think, is what kind of gets us sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know. And that fear of being alone. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like, I've had conversations with my little guy, like, you know, there's a new boy in your class. I want you to befriend him. And mm-hmm. even if he's like, oh, but I won't get to play with my other friends. I'm like, but it's okay. Yeah. You you know, sometimes you have to be a little bit different and do different things. And yes. it doesn't. it means it's right, you know. But it's like these expectations that we have on our children, we need to model that. They mm-hmm. need to see that we are also willing to stand alone. Yeah. And yeah. Standing alone is hard. Yeah. And I, I just always think of it's so easy as a parent to look at other like parents that are sort of similar to you Mm -hmm. and be like, well, I'll just do whatever they do. And then we'll be buddies together. Yes. And I just think of Thomas More's quote, St. Thomas More, never tie your soul to another man's back because you never know where he's going to carry it. Mm -hmm. That you shouldn't just pick someone that you think's got it down and be like, I'm just going to do whatever they do. Yeah. Model them. Yeah. They look like they have it together. Whatever. Yeah. That you really have to be making these decisions for yourself and i gotta do one last plug on standing alone um if you've ever seen the the movie high noon i have not oh it is so good because the premise of it is there's a sheriff in town and these bad guys come into town and everyone's scared of them Mm -hmm. and they've come before and they want vengeance on the sheriff for what he did to them in the past okay and so they're all like get out of town you gotta leave you know, then they'll go away, whatever. Like you They're telling go. the sheriff They're that he needs to go. Okay. And he goes, no, I got to stay. We got to fight this evil. And he makes this plan to do it. And no one will help him. All of his friends, one by one, don't leave. show up. Aww. They leave. And so he stands alone. Yeah. And yeah. nothing wavers him, even his new wife, who's like, don't do it. Oh, I'll leave you if you do it. Yeah. And he still has to stand alone. Right. And I just feel like that's like when we're talking about this, we have to be willing to be that sheriff. Yeah. And we and if we're going to be that, then we have to be convicted like the sheriff yes. and be like, I know this to be right. Yeah. Going down swinging. Yes. I know. <laughs> that reminds me of Braveheart when he's betrayed yeah. by the noble. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. It's like he didn't expect that. No. He had trust. But this guy betrayed him and he ended up dying alone. Mm-hmm. He ended up dying for what he believed in, which was freedom. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of the sad part and nobody wants to think about that. But yeah, but being convicted, being convicted is, to the point of like, yes, you might yeah. stand alone even to the end. Mm-hmm. But then that brings and me it to gives you goosebumps because it's inspiring. Yeah. Like yeah. That, that you look at that. And yeah. You're like that is a beautiful 
like thing. Like anyone would be inspired by that. Yes. And I feel like that's the best thing you can do for your kid. Totally. Just model that courage of like, I am willing to be the loner. Right. And evil. Yeah. Even when my best friend, my like, oh, we're together on this Mm -hmm. doesn't back me up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, and you know, I feel like that's like, we love movies like that, right? Like that are inspiring, that like really captivate us because it's this, it takes such nobility. Yeah. And And if you have that fire and that conviction, just like Mel Gibson did, he had (laughs) freedom. He had a very passionate following, right? It's like, even though they were small in numbers, they had that passion. And what drove that passion, yes, was his character, was his with his devotion to his cause. And Mm -hmm. that's how strong we need to be. And real in history, when he died, it fell apart. Because they didn't have Mm -hmm. that, Yes, you know, that conviction got lost with his life. And yeah. so it just, yeah, it shows you how important it is. Gosh, such a good movie. I <laughs> love that movie. Gosh, I could watch it again. I know. It's, it's hey, so good. Another plug, you know, show your kids good movies like they, like, yes. you know, make note of movies that are inspiring because this, this is the stuff like movies are not bad things. Yeah. But there are bad movies. Yeah. And there's also movies that move you to do good. And it's like, fill your library with those. Yeah. We should probably have make a list of them. Yeah. Yeah. I had to dump all my chick book ones that I was like, does this like help me at all? (laughs) Probably not. Yeah. Probably not a good message. This is on the mind numbing list. Yes. Yes. We need some of those sometimes. Yes. The next argument people make is this socialization argument that if you keep your kids out of things Mm -hmm. because you're trying to protect them, they'll say, well, hey, that's how you learn skills, right? You have to be around all different kinds of people Mm -hmm. to be exposed so you know, and that children need to experience kind of that push and pull of human contact to grow, like that that's growing. Yeah. And he answers this, which I love this quote. He says, true, but how are those skills learned? through peers whose push and pull could either be forward or backward. Mm. So he's like, that's what you're risking. If you let the peers teach them, you don't know which way they're going to be pulled. They could be pulled to good, but they could be pulled to bad. Right. Or would you rather your kid learning it through adults who may be a little bit better at instilling qualities such as kindness, tolerance, and responsibility, which mm-hmm. is the core of socialization. Mm-hmm. You people don't want to be around you if you lack some of those things. Yeah, manners and good skills. Yeah, yeah. So he's saying, why would you leave that up to the peers when there's a greater risk that it's not going to propel the child forward? Yeah. Children it are not going to. Yes, fellow children, their companions are not going to teach them the way they should be. Right. They're going to model the way they're, they are. And yes. if they're not being taught, well, then they're just going to be childish forever. Right. And yeah. I, I feel like my kids learn the most in social science when mm-hmm. I'm there with them. Mm-hmm. Because I'll see them doing something to a kid, like being annoying. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily bad, but you want to teach them like, hey, if you don't respect someone's boundaries, they're not going to want to play with right, you. Right, right. And you have to go in and intervene and right. do that. Would you rather them learn from the kid like, hey, I don't want to play with you? Yeah. Or would you rather right. have that teaching moment to yes. say, hey, if you do this, this, and this. Exactly. And it's also, so something that, I, that I've that i read too, it's like, if your kid is doing something to bother a sibling or another child, you could just pose the question to your child and say, 
does it look like they like what you're doing? Have them stop and actually observe. Mm-hmm. What is their what is their face telling you? What is their body telling you? Yeah, how to read how, body language. How to read body language and then have them answer the question mm-hmm. so that they know because it's easy to just say, hey, they don't like that. Well, right. how would they know that? They need to see and be yeah. taught. You know, I mean, obviously, if and someone's you think like. their peers are that reflective to like do that same yeah, lesson the yeah, way you just hey, did Hey, <laughs> I don't like that you did that. Look yeah. at my face. Or here, yeah. just punch you in the face and exactly. teach you a lesson now. <laughs> the childish, reactive, impulsive nature yes. is what they're going to learn if they're not taught that. So mm-hmm. you kind of do have to coach them into these things. Obviously, yeah. if your child is hurting another child, you physically remove them. Yeah. But if it's just a bothersome type of scenario, yeah. teaching them how to read, yeah, body yeah. language. Yes. Yeah. So it's not, it's actually a better way to socialize your kid is yeah. to be present because you can provide those. And not Cues, to say you can uh-huh. never, like, you should never let your kid be alone with another kid or something. But it's like right. extreme. But like, you know what I mean? Like, you just. But if you're there and you see that. You want to be present in that socialization. You want to control that socialization because you have specific purposes you're trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. You want your kid to learn A, B, and C and mm-hmm. become a good person and people mm-hmm. like to be around them. And, mm-hmm. and so you have to have some control over that until they develop those habits and then i'm going to end it with this last quote here if someday your child is pulled towards the culture's way more than yours meaning that could happen Mm -hmm. even if you do everything right right your child might say i prefer the culture still okay but if that happens one day let it be because he climbed over your gate not because you opened it Right. So are you letting the floodgates hit your kid because you can't stand alone anymore? You you don't have that courage to keep that door shut. Yeah. That would not be good. You would rather them find a way around your fence than you giving them the way out of it. Right. It needs to be a decision that they make and they mm-hmm. know is wrong. Not right. that they make They've and chosen didn't to know. Do it, not exactly. You've chosen to allow it to happen to them. Right. In one sense, you, you're being more controlling, opening the gate because you're, they have no choice what comes through it. You know, yeah. if they're climbing it, that's a choice. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's something they're deciding to do. And in reality, it's like you are technically still controlling the situation. Yeah. You're either controlling it and it's under control that's or you're true. controlling, like yeah. you said, leaving the gate open. Yeah. Well, quote unquote controlling. So and then it's out of control. Another myth. Yes. There's no neutrality. Yeah. You're either doing one thing or you're doing the other. Yeah. Yeah, you're controlling good or bad situations to happen. And you not doing anything is allowing things to happen. So that isn't, inactivity is not not doing something, basically. Exactly. All right, so the quote of the day we have uh, is from the book of Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So this is some inspiration for you to have that conviction, to stay true to what you know is good and right and beautiful, and that even though the fruits of your labor might not be visible, Mm -hmm. it is something that will be ingrained in their heart and in their Mm -hmm. soul, and that even when they're old... It might take until they're old, but they there might won't. be some wayward moments yeah. in between that time. But yeah, but they'll they come back. Yes. It. All right. So product review I have. Unfortunately, it's one that came from illness, but. <laughs> that's how we know it's effective. That's how we know it's effective. So, you know, we're coming up on the fall months 
in, in close to the winter. I hate to even say that, but <laughs> no! I love fall. Not a fan of winter as much. I mean, I love all. Oh, okay. I'm getting off track. I mean, I love <laughs> all the seasons, but like, you don't want to jump ahead one. You yeah. want to go through the nice cycle of them. Enjoy it. Yes. Enjoy each one. But anyway, you know, the stomach flu tends to go around. I feel like we've had an increase of viruses recently mm-hmm. and like not even during cold months, like just kind of general. So yes, one hit our home and it was a particularly bad one. I'm not going to go into detail, but I just felt like wiped out after. Mm-hmm. And my dad actually recommended this. He's a doctor and he was like, go to my house and get the liquid IV packets. And I'm like, I'm like thinking this is like an IV that I stick in my arm. And I was like, I am not like not sticking myself with an IV. <laughs> like, and they're just packets for water. They, okay. Uh, they dissolve in water. They dissolve in water. That's why they're called liquid IV. You cool. drink them. They're supposed to have three times as many electrolytes as like a Gatorade, but they also have less sugar. So there's not like a false like spike in your energy Mm. that when the sugar wears off you come crashing down yeah yeah and anyway you're supposed to take it like if you're an athlete you take it after expending a lot of energy Mm -hmm. if you're sick you take it after you've you know vomited a lot or you're dehydrated i was like okay i'll take it i guess yeah i immediately like an hour later just felt like back to normal revived just revived like i think a lot of times when we're sick it's the dehydration that kind of like lags it on like the pedialyte and a hangover yeah situation (laughs) you could use that for this this is just on steroids yes (laughs) yeah no i'm talking like pre-kids days when i was partying pump the pedialyte you know yeah in the pantry yeah (laughs) so so that's the name of the that's the brand the name of the brand is liquid IV. liquid IV. okay and you can buy it from costco they sell it there i've seen it other places but actually on the liquid iv site right now because i just ordered some i do not get a i wish i got a commission from this liquid iv take note <laughs> but there's 30 percent off of right now for labor day oh my god and it's free shipping over 20 dollars. yeah so this totally sounds affordable. sponsored but it's <laughs> yeah, not but it's not it just legitimately i was excited because i was like it's kind of expensive yeah so there was a sale and i didn't have to pay for shipping so score that's awesome. but anyway if you want to prep for that they also have kids ones so i did buy a kids one because um i wanted to have something on hand if you know my kids are in school now and I'm sure we'll get like stuff's going twice around the amount of viruses. Yep. So it was just good to have on hand. So That's yeah, awesome. And I have a product suggestion. I haven't read it all the way, but it's the Baltimore Catechism for Kids. And to go along the lines of our conversation, I think it would be a good challenge for myself also to incorporate reading that a little bit every day. Maybe not every day, once a week. I don't know. Make it a thing. But to talk about what are the, what the Bible teaches, what our faith teaches us, and kind of helping to cultivate these virtues in a very tangible, digestible way for kids. Mm-hmm. So that's a good one. It's very straightforward too. So I feel like it's a great thing for small children. Yeah, to just kind of yeah understand the faith that can be very complex, but in a very simple yeah. And and it is and it and it's broken down like questions. Yeah. Why are subjects. we here? Yeah. Why did God make us? You yes. know, answer questions that they could easily ask. And that they're probably yeah, yeah, probably asking. At yeah, stage, so. exactly. Like our little guys were wondering if the Romans who killed Jesus went to hell. 
<laughs> right? Like, yeah. th- like that's like a legit question. They, yeah, their brains are spinning. So yes. eat it with some good answers. Exactly. <laughs> You got this, Mama. And don't forget, God walks among the pots and pans. See you next time.